everybody, and welcome to East Screen, West Screen. This is show number one on Tuesday, August 11th, 2009. I'm Paul Fox, and joining me here from the Fragrant Harbor to discuss the latest in cinema happenings for Hong Kong, Asia, and abroad is my friend Kevin Ma. Kevin, how are you doing tonight? Good. How about you, Paul? Oh, not bad. Um, so let's talk a little bit before we sort of get into our main topics for today. Um, let's talk a little bit about you and, and your background. Um, sure. Because you were born in Hong Kong. That's right. Um, but then you lived in, you grew up in Canada or? or... Uh, I went to San Francisco when I was nine years old. Okay. Yeah. So you grew up in San Francisco for most of your life or? I would say half my life, something like 12, 13 years. Yeah, mm -hmm. 13 years. And then I came back to Hong Kong to, to study. Okay, okay. I don't know why I thought you were from Canada. I must be confusing you with somebody else. Um, so when did your interest in, in Hong Kong cinema and Asian cinema sort of um, start to take hold? Well, Hong Kong cinema started first because I grew up with it. Mm -hmm. You know, and it would just be a thing to watch films uh, when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think Asian cinema, Japanese cinema was always a big part of the foreign scene in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. So I, always, I kept up Japanese cinema whatever was available through Hong Kong. Mm. And then I went to Japan to study in 2004. And that's when I really picked up my interest for Japanese cinema. Mm. Um, Korean cinema came pretty much when the Korean wave hit the rest of Asia. So that's, that's easy to explain because, you know, when the, when I think in uh, 2001 or so, when, when the Korean wave started hitting, yeah. you know, a lot of films became available through Hong Kong, VCDs, DVDs. So it was really easy to get a hold of those. Yeah. And, and so, so you're you're studying film now yourself, and yeah, yeah. you're also working freelance as a critic and a writer. Yeah, that's right. Um, critic um, for Love HK Film, obviously, and also I write. I've written reviews for BC Magazine, um, and also I'm writing articles for Muse Magazine. Mm -hmm. And so, w which aspect do you think you want to sort of follow up more on later? Do you want to go into making film, or do you think you'll stay on on the critic side of the fence? Well, you know, I always, I always took the journalism stuff as, co as sort of a, a backup mm. strategy. I've always enjoyed doing the creative stuff, but I think at this point I can balance both. Mm. Um, hopefully one will be, I can do something that interests me, but also make money. And meanwhile, I can do something that really interests me, but won't make any money. First, we'll talk about some news from Hong Kong itself. Now, just last week was the final few days of the ACG, the what they call the Annie Khan Gaming Expo or Festival. Um, did you did you get a chance to go to this? No, no, I, I went to the the book fair though, but I didn't. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of animation or comics. Yeah, so the book fair was uh, was the week before. Yes. And then they had this big festival. I guess for for listeners who are in the states, um, this is sort of uh, rel relative to San Diego Comic Con, which was also a few weeks ago, I guess. But um, they do have some corporate sponsors here. I think I was reading that, um, like there was a Microsoft presence and a, a Sony presence, and for gaming and things. And there's a lot of comics presence, but the comics are mostly from Hong Kong, and um, I, I would I would guess gather manga from Japan. You were talking about the book fair, and one of the more interesting things that sort of carried over into this. Uh, was the models controversy that's going on in Hong Kong. And Sorry. maybe you can explain 
a little bit of what that is. Okay, um, so it's not just models. Um, the, 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 the new brand of popular models are, are called Lambo, or in other words, uh, young but but of age, you know, legal legal age um, models that are not exactly model stature, like they're not six feet tall or they're not, uh, they don't have particularly very slim legs, but they're very, they're known for their more developed other parts of the body. Yeah. So that's, uh, and they, they very much appeal to the younger sort of nerdish, I don't know if nerd is a, it's an offensive term. Um, <laughs> but well, look, we're, we're talking about, you know, uh, the animation and comics festival and, you know, that's an interesting thing is it's like nerdiness and geekiness is suddenly in everywhere you know it's like <laughs> it's so? well yeah i mean it's like if you look at the turnout they had what i was reading and listening to some podcasts online about uh san diego comic-con i mean it was huge the turnout was huge and plus you've got all this corporate sponsorship tied to it um you know because it is a huge money-making thing and then you've got Hollywood, you know, promoting their movies and, and everything. And it's just, it's like being, uh, um, you know, being a nerd or being the, the so-called geek these days is, is really in. Um, yeah, and, and there's this subculture of geeks. You know, there's the, the film geeks, yeah. which I guess me and you are part of that. Uh, and there's the, 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 the game geeks and there's the comic geeks. And, 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 and actually, it's interesting that you mentioned the, the Comic-Con because the Comic-Con has essentially become... I guess because I follow the, the, the movie news a lot, it, it, to me, it just seems like a Comic-Con has turned into uh, kind of like Show West. Uh, I don't yeah. know if you know about Show West. And it just seems like it's a way for filmmakers to review their films now instead yeah. of you know, yeah. comics. Yeah. So, um, uh, as, well, let's get let's let's kind of swing back to the, the model controversy. Um, so uh, this was controversial at the book fair because people at the book fair were saying, oh, you know, we don't think that this is appropriate, that these kind of books are being sold at a book fair where it's supposed to be sort of highbrow books, I guess. Um, yeah, the but, kind of books we're talking about is the is the new photo books. Yeah, the photo books of the models. Yes, um, yes. But apparently one of the models, one of the more popular models, Chrissy Chow, mm -hmm. um, she's actually created a body pillow with her yeah. image on it. And that's been selling like um, hotcakes over here. Um, and it's around, it's almost $100 US in terms of price from what I've read. Um, well, have you seen the, the, the photo book? I haven't seen, I, I've seen, um, I, I haven't seen the books themselves, but I've seen images. Some people sent me some links uh, online and I, I've seen, you know, some of the images uh, of the yeah. book. So I, I, I've, well, for research purposes, of course, I, yeah, I've seen of the course. Yeah, yeah. All about the research. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And you know, the, the debate is not really about, well, the debate is, yeah, the lowbrow versus the highbrow books, but also really are these books or what is the content of the books, yeah. what, whether they cross the line of indecency, because there, in the Chrissy Chow book, um, there's a shot of her eating ice cream. Yeah. Uh, and there's also a shot of her with a toothpaste. Uh, toothbrush in her mouth a little bit of toothpaste yeah. around her lips i mean you know what they they you know the models themselves they say you know don't 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 think the wrong way don't um your fantasies are only in your mind but you know when you have a you know have a toothbrush or toothpaste around your lips what kind of fantasies that will give off it's it's the adult adage that sex sells i mean that's that's you know everybody who goes into marketing or understands marketing knows that that's still something that's at play and on the one hand, I, you know, I, I kind of give these girls credit, you know, for going out and trying to be entrepreneurial and, 
um, you know, make something with the assets that they have, as it were. <laughs> um, but anyway, well, they make a lot of money from these appearances. Yeah, I can imagine. Let Let's move on to some more relevant news, some movie news. Um, so last week, I think you were saying you went to the Vengeance premiere. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, why don't you? Can you tell me a little bit about what that was? I've, you know, I've been here seven years. I, I don't think I've been to. Well, I've been to one premiere, uh, some years ago, uh, but it wasn't yeah, for anything it, big. Uh, it, it wasn't the uh, official premiere. I think it was the because it was used as the opening film of the Summer International Film Festival here. Mm, okay. So um, I guess they used the uh, the opening status to do a press conference. Um, all the stars showed up. I think Johnny told that the the press conference outside, but he didn't come into the auditorium. Um, so the, the stars, the all the Hong Kong stars showed up. Um, Anthony Wong was there, Nam Strait, um, Gordon Lamb, uh, well, Simon Yam, um, Maggie Seawater, she was only in about two scenes of the movie. Um, Michelle Yeh. So the big star showed up, they did a little appearance, they each said about a sentence and then they moved on to the other screen, I guess where all these celebrities are and then left us to watch the movie. There is Michelle, these fangirls of Michelle Yeh, who I guess they still were talking, speaking in Mandarin. And I was told that she has quite a following in mainland China, so I'm guessing that's where they're from. And they were sitting in the second, third row, trying to I guess sit behind her or near her. Mm-hmm. But I guess they didn't know that she was going to go to the next screen, so they had to sit for the rest of the movie in the second row about their celebrity and you know, their, mm-hmm. their their idol in front of them. Yeah. It's it's opening next week, isn't it? I did twentieth. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so we'll we'll probably come back and spend some time talking about uh, the film once I get a chance to see it. And I also have a review, uh, I think, next week on Lovely Shape Film. We'll have the time to, to write it. Okay, yeah. So you can look forward to Kevin's review of Vengeance. Now let's move on to some movie news from around the globe. Um, I guess the first little piece of news that's relatively big for uh, people here in Hong Kong is the Green Hornet movie that's being made in Hollywood with, um, who's the main actor? Seth? Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. Yeah. Uh, he's also the writer. Uh, I thought was kind of a strange choice, but um, if he wants to branch out into the, sort of the action hero genre, I, I guess he can do it. Um, but originally, Stephen Chow was working on the film, and he was producing the film at one point, wasn't he? He was set to produce, direct, and co-star as yeah. uh, Kato. And so he was going to be Kato. And yeah. Stephen Chow has been replaced now by another Chow. Stephen Chow has since bowed out of the film uh, for reasons not really too well known to the public. But um, the rumor now has it that he's being replaced by Jay Chow from Taiwan. Yeah. So what do you what what's your take on this? Um well I think I think Steve, first I think Stephen Chow wasn't really going to I, I never thought he was gonna work out because first he was the supporting character and the word was that because he was in conflict with Seth Rogan the entire time because he's the co writer mm-hmm. and what was that Chow kept asking for rewrites and I guess they just didn't work out. So, you know, Chow leaving the film is not really surprising to me. Mm-hmm. But Steve, I think Jay Chow Bring Jay Chow, I don't think he's ready for Hollywood. I don't know about you. Um, I've seen, sadly, I've seen most of his films. Yeah. And I think the only reason that he gets leading roles is because he, he has no screen personality whatsoever. 
the only way he can he can be remembered is if he one directs his own movie, which is which he's doing right now for Taiwanese TV. He's doing a a superhero drama called Panda Man. Mm. I'm not kidding you. Is it, a, is it a comedy? Oh no no! It's a superhero uh, drama that he's directing, and he's also starring. You, you even look online for photos; you see him with the the panda costume. My thing is is that using um, Jay Chow in, in this role, it really completely changes the dynamic of what this movie would have been mm -hmm. um, had it been Stephen Chow. I mean, it's just it's like it's like going to be a completely different movie, at least in my mind. I mean, knowing what I know about both of the performers and and what they're capable of. I mean, um, I just I, I just don't see any chemistry between a possible chemistry between Seth Rogen and Jay Chow. Another challenge for the Green Hornet. His aide, Cato, and their rolling arsenal, the Black Beauty. On police records, a wanted criminal, the Green Hornet is really Britt Reed, owner-publisher of the Daily Sentinel. His dual identity, known only to his secretary and to the district attorney. And now, to protect the rights and lives of decent citizens, rides the Green Hornet. Another big bit of news that I came across, um, you may have heard of this already, um, is that Zhang Ziyi is going to star in a comedy, um, having come off of her last, I think it said her last four films have been dramas, right? Um, and so she's going to shift gears, and she's serving as the producer, as well as the star of this film, um, and the title of the film is called Sophie's Revenge, and in the film... Um, she uses her kung fu to beat up on Meryl Streep, and no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, it's a sequel to Sophie's Choice from 1982. Um, <laughs> Shaolin Smackdown with, with Meryl Streep. Um, no, what it says is that. Um, let's see the notes. Yeah, she's gonna play a comic book artist who plots to get her fiance fiance back after losing him to an actress. So. I don't know if that's based on uh, based on any autobiographical autobiographical information or not, but um, well, check out the uh, Hollywood Reporter today. Yeah, um, yeah, that's there. It was essentially the the, char the character very much resembles the director mm. because the director is also a cartoonist, and uh, she's I guess she's also the I think the they're meant to create the sort of Sex and the City look mm. for these characters. Um, is trying to be like a European pop culture film, like you know, Amelie, mm. or Mix meets Ali Mobile. Mm. Yes, I think that's the quote I read here. Uh, could could be interesting. Um, yeah, we'll see. I think the opposite actress is also quite well known. I think it's either one of the Bing Bings, either uh, Fan Bing Bing or, or Lee Bing Bing. Lee Bing Bing. Yeah, I, I get I get I get the two of them mixed up all the time. I like one and I don't really care for the other. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, the next piece of news. Um, now, this was pretty big on the, in the Filipino community. Uh, Corazon Aquino, uh, former leader of the Philippines, uh, passed away last week. And Hong Kong has a really sizable uh, Filipino expat community. Um, and I, as I was reading through some of this news, I was reminded back to 
um, her daughter, Chris Aquino, uh, who's an actress, an actress in the Philippines. Um, and I've, I've gotten to see a couple of her films uh, from the Philippines. She has one series, she's uh, a series of films. She's in the first couple of them uh, called uh, Manopo or Manopo. I'm not sure how they would say it in Tagalog. Um, but it's a series about uh, Chinese Philippine, the, the sort of the Chinese Filipina community um, in the Philippines and uh, some of the struggles that the Chinese Philippine community uh, families have. It's a very popular series from what one of my friends was telling me. But Chris Aquino, I first got to know her way back in in the day um, when I first started watching cinema because she was the star of Happy Ghost 5 with uh, Raymond Wong. I don't know if you ever saw that one, but that's, that's the one. It's sort of like uh, the Disney movie The Shaggy Dog because um, <laughs> Raymond Wong's ghost character gets turned into a, into a, a dog that... Um, Chris Aquino is like Chris Aquino's pet, uh, and I get you know it was a big big deal during the time because she was the daughter of the then uh, ruling family, and she came over to be in this film. Uh, and that was that was hyped in Hong Kong, is it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then our last little bit of news. Um, I think I'll turn this over to you. You were telling me about um, is it Noriko Sakai was arrested over the weekend. Yes, um, there were two big pieces of news last week in Japan. Um, first was the uh, arrest of an actor named Manabu Oshio. He was first arrested after um, someone called in uh, the discovery of a dead body in an apartment in downtown Tokyo. He was called in because apparently surveillance cameras caught him in there. And when the, when he was brought in for questioning, they found out they, they tested him for drugs and they found out he was on ecstasy. So, you know, that was a big thing. But at the same, on the same day, uh, the husband of this actress called Noriko Sakai, um, she's quite famous here in Hong Kong and China and Taiwan because she was known for her very clean image. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, last year she was, she actually handed flowers to one of the Chinese leaders, Wen Jiabao or Hu Jintao, when they visited, and he visited Japan. So he's quite well, she's quite well known. Her husband, a pro, quote-unquote, pro-surfer, was arrested in the street, on the streets of Tokyo last week mm. for drug possession. Um, the next day, and this is a day-by-day -day thing, so I'm trying to do this linearly. Um, the next day, her, her parents, or the, her husband's parents, reported her and her son missing. So the, 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 big, the, the, the rumor mill on Twitter was that she ran off to the forest to commit suicide. And it went like that for about two days. Um, then her son was found. Turns out she was dropped. He was dropped off with a, a friend in Tokyo. So now, and then she went missing. And then the police found drugs in her apartment. So it turned out that for about three days, turn um, during those three days, people thought that she ran off because of shame to hide from the media. Turns out she was escaping from the law because you know she was doing drugs. Mm. And then over the weekend, when the police finally had a warrant out on her arrest. Then she finally turned herself in. So this is a really huge deal in Japan because you know not only was it a week of drug arrests um, of, in Japan, also because this clean girl uh, image that Noriko Sakai has built up in the last decade and a half is essentially tarnished over one week. Mm. Because now it's come out that the woman that was taking care of her son, of Noriko Sakai's son, might have been her husband's mistress and they've known each other for years and this really messed up family history.
history just coming out in the open. Mm. And it's huge. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's interesting that these couple of months, the celebrity drug arrest has been quite big. No, I, I think if anything, ja- I think Japan Entertainment, Hong Kong Entertainment, they don't need, you know, drug enforcement. They need better agents who can cover up dead bodies. <laughs> Something. Uh, Hollywood does it so well. Why yeah. not? Yeah. Well, Hollywood, it's just like, you know... Uh, a scandal comes out, it gives some publicity to the star, you know, whoever it's going to be for a week or two, and then, you know, they make a comeback. I mean, yeah, it's just part of their portfolio. Oops! Oh, no! So we've had a little bit of a, a boom here in these past few weeks for Hong Kong films, um, which have sort of been on a decline for the last few years. Um, but we've had a couple pretty big releases in the last two weeks. Uh, the first film we'll talk a little bit about is um, Overheard, uh, the new film starring uh, Lao Ching Wan, Daniel Wu, and, and Louis Ku. Um, so we've both seen this. Uh, Kevin's seen it. I've seen it. Kevin, what, are your, what were your thoughts on the film? I think... It's it's a very solid movie. I, I think it's what you can expect from solid filmmakers like Alan Mack and Felix Chong, who did the Inferno Fair, who co-wrote the uh, Inferno Fair series. Mm. Um, I think the actors did well. I think uh, the script was. It's, I think it's an entertaining film. Michael Wong was great. We can go we can go into that later. Mm. Uh, but I think for me, the third act. I'm not sure if it's China influence or if it's just they they ran out of plot or. Just need a way out, but you kind of—it was very easy to predict what would happen. Yeah, I don't know about you, because the way they went, it almost—it was like too simple for me. Yeah, well, if if you're not familiar with the story of Overheard, we won't give any spoilers here, but just give you a basic synopsis. Uh, the main characters are playing a special unit in the police force uh, that does electronic surveillance, and during the case of one stakeout, uh, they managed to overhear a bit of information. And because of this, because of the, the nature of the information, they decide to act upon it. And that can be seen as somewhat questionable. Um, and so it puts them in sort of this tenuous position of, you know, uh, what is right and wrong. And I think for me, that's the best. Uh, that's where the film is really at its best when it's when it's the three guys sort of you know, trying to work through their, their issues and, and this sort of gray area of, you know, is what they're doing, you know, right or is it wrong? Um, is it black and white or is it something a little bit more in between? Um, but the problem is, and, and as you were saying, you know, because you kind of know because this is going to be shown in China, it's made as sort of a joint production. You know what the inevitable outcome must be you know, in the long run. Um, and so that sort of takes something away from the film. We know the whole reason that it was it was being made because Derek E., the producer, saw that the the, the script had the elements of a of a of the corrupted cop because the corrupt corrupted cops is quite a huge genre in yeah. in, in China. Um, so that was I don't want to ruin the movie, but um, the fact that you have corruption. Yeah. 
yeah. in there was the reason why it got made in the first place. So the the second film we'll, we'll talk about is um, On His Majesty's Secret Service, um, similar to the James Bond title of On Her Majesty's Secret Service. This is a, a period piece starring, again, Louis Koo, who's getting more work than anybody these days. It's great because one theater in Hong Kong is actually showing both movies. Yeah. So yeah. you can have your Louis Koo. You can have Lu- Lu- Louis Koo mini marathon. All right. the, all the coup you can handle, you know. Um, and well, anyway, this is a Wang Jing film, and if you've ever seen a Wang Jing film, if you follow Wang Jing films, you either love them or hate them. Uh, I tend to be in the former camp. I I get a big kick out of Wang Jing films. Um, I really love the stuff that he did early on in the '90s, um, and and even earlier when he was just starting out in the '80s. Um, but uh, I watched this film and I felt like I'd seen a lot of the jokes. Um, I felt like I'd seen, you know, uh, it was like, um, a lot of the characterizations that were being done, uh, the gags, I'd seen it all before. Um, and it seemed, it seems that it's just kind of sort of thrown together and a a little bit lazy. Uh, so I was a little bit disappointed. I don't know. What, what are your, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, lazy is, is the word I would choose. Um, I just felt like Wong Jing watched his own movies yeah. when he was writing the script. Yeah. And and he just read a lot of manga before he wrote the script. It just it was really lazy. Put the, I didn't even find a plot. Um, the actors were too much were winking at the screen too much. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you thought because I thought Barbie Sue she was just smiling the whole time even when she's mad. It's almost like she's winking. It's like hey look I'm being funny. Mm-hmm. I mean she's not. Yeah. So, would you uh, would you would you recommend this to your friends if they were saying, "Hey, uh, Kevin, I should I go see this movie?" Oh hell no! <laughs> <laughs> I say I say go watch the um the old the old Stephen. I mean Stephen Chow did a movie like this. Yeah. I the, um, uh, can't think of the name right now. But he did. It was. But it wasn't a Wong Jing direction. It was um, Vincent Cock, I believe. Yes. So um, if you want to watch uh, the, the James Bond formula taking the period. Yeah. settings then watch that instead of this because this is lazy and Lewis who wants to be Stephen Chow but he'll never be Stephen Chow yeah well he is trying to sort of uh, you know cross around in his roles between dramas and um, comedies and I think in some in some venues of comedy he works pretty well I mean uh, one of my favorite films of his uh, to date is uh, La Brazier and uh, I think he was really good you know, in that dynamic with him and uh, Lao Ching Wan. Um, but in other areas where he's kind of just approaching with the more ridiculous style comedy, maybe that's not his strong point. Right. He needed, I think he needed someone to play off of. He needed someone like Lao Ching Wan or essentially he is the, the handsome guy and the comedy comes from the fact that he's handsome, but he's kind of the bumbling idiot. Yeah. Yeah. And, but there's no one to play off that in, the, in this movie. And just him mugging, mugging it up the whole time. Playing in the States is the Pixar film Up. And Kevin, you said you saw this. Yes, I saw um, it. What, what, what did you think about it? I, I, I really liked it. I liked it a lot. It's, I was surprised that a Pixar or animated film would take the theme of loss and, and death and made a really enjoyable adventure out of it. Yeah. Um, I, now, you saw the English version here in Hong Kong? Yes, of course. Yeah, I 
And see, I saw the English version when I was in the States, and so when I got back to Hong Kong, I wanted to watch the Cantonese dubbed version because um, it was featuring veteran actor Michael Hoy um, taking up the role that was played by Ed Asner, and I wanted to see sort of his take on on the character, and and I ended up liking it uh, quite quite a bit. Um, and I talked with um, some local friends about what they thought, and they thought, well, it was basically Michael Hoy kind of being Michael Hoyish um, <laughs> in the ways that he typically is in his movies. Um, but when I thought about the character um, played in the English version by Ed Asner, you know, I was getting a lot of rem very, very reminiscent of Lou Grant, um, which was yeah, sort yeah. of his famous role from Mary Tyler Moore as this, this crotchety, you know, old editor. Um, Did Michael Huey manage to carry that? Because Michael Huey was is not the usual. Yeah, I, you know, I thought he did. I thought he did really good in the role. I the other characters, um, uh, I can't remember the character's name, but the dog, um, I didn't think came across quite as as good as in an English version. But I think that Michael Hoy did a really good job um, with the dub. And I mean, dubbing is never an easy thing to do. Um, I, I typically don't like dubbed movies. I'd rather see it in the original, you know, whether it's a Japanese movie or a Korean movie or, or whatever. And I only wanted to see this in the dubbed version because I really like a lot of the stuff that Michael Hoy has done. Um, but yeah, if you haven't seen Up in any version, I mean, it's a really great film. I give big kudos to uh, Pixar for being able to put an elderly character um, in a starring sort of leading role like this and, and take a chance with that. Um, because for a, for a typical kind of family kids movie, that's not really what you would expect. That's not a choice that I think that a, a Hollywood executive would look at and say, hey, yeah, you know, let's, let's put an old man as sort of the leading role. Um, and I think, they, I think, like you were saying, they pulled it off and they did it really well. I think the wisest thing they did was that they introduced this elderly character as a child first, yeah, yeah. And, and showed well, his that life. Well, whole, that whole first like that whole first ten minute sequence, um, that for me was like the best part of the film, and there was not a word spoken, at, hardly at all, in a lot of that storytelling, and that was just really good storytelling. Um, next, we can talk a little bit. I don't know if you've seen this. Uh, I watched it over the weekend. Sam Raimi's horror film, Drag Me to Hell. Have you have you gotten a chance to see that? No, um, I'm not a big horror film fan, but I, I probably catch this on DVD. Yeah, um, wasn't wasn't too bad. Very classic Raimi um, from his sort of Evil Dead period, um, and I'd say probably mostly akin to Evil Dead one and two. Um, he's 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 got really this thing for crones, you know, these like old old. <laughs> women even even i remember in, in evil dead like the young girl would get possessed and she'd turn into this like really scary looking old crone i'll swallow your soul come get some um and that's sort of the you know the the main uh, antagonist here in the film that and this sort of poltergeist apparition that you never really get to see um, but it was classic, Raimi. It was pretty scary in some ports, but really loud. I watched this over at Langham, 
and I think they must have had the volume turned up to 10. It was just too loud. I was actually plugging my ears through parts of the film. And um, I went with Gia, and she said, she said, hey, give me your, ear, your, your iPhone earplugs. <laughs> and she, she literally put those in her ears and, and watched the whole movie with those in her ears because it was just so loud. It was, it was just painful. Um, I've seen I've seen people complain, go outside and complain because Well see I didn't know if it was the if that was if it was Langham itself or if that's the way the movie was set to be viewed you know, on just sort of a standard setting, but it was just unbearable at some points. Um But so do you think the uh because the movie had a PG thirteen rating in America. Yeah. Do you think it hurt it? Because even Dead One and Two were known for violence. Yeah. Um Well, I mean it the, the, the story of the film, I don't think, really calls for um, gore, necessarily. The type of scares they're going for are, are sort of the, the noise booms and the quick flashes that make you jump. And, and um, it's, it, there, is some, there is some gore. There's like a couple vomiting things and um, that kind of gore. And there's this one kind of really gross scene where the old woman takes out her teeth and she's kind of gumming. Uh, the other girl trying to bite her, but she doesn't have oh. her teeth in. <laughs> That's kind of nasty. Oh. But it's yeah, it's more that kind of a thing. Um, uh, so even then, it sounds like it kind of pushes the PG thirteen thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's I I wouldn't have. I, I, there there was one there was one scene that they I don't know if if maybe there'll be an an uncut version or a director's cut that could have been a bit more gory, and we'll have to wait and see if it gets a DVD release. Um, but other Sam Raimi news, um, and this is pretty big for gamers out there who play um, the World of Warcraft or the Warcraft games, um, and that is Sam Raimi has been tapped to direct the Warcraft movie. Wow. And so the, the internets are all abuzz on, you know, what is this going to be? Uh, I've listened to some people on some podcasts speculating um, you know, they, they think it's live action. They're almost pretty sure it's going to be a live action. Uh, they don't think he'd be pulled on to be a director of a CG movie. Um, yeah. And if Blizzard was going to do a CG movie, they already do CG movies for their games that are really well-liked, um, that they should just go ahead and do one on their own, why they don't need Sam Raimi. So the idea is that they're pretty sure it's going to be live action. And the other big question is, what's the story? Because... The Warcraft world, from all the different games, um, the novels that exist, has such a long history. It's like saying, if you're going to do another Star Wars movie or something, what story would you tell? Right. Um, and so that's really the big question. Um, in in my mind, he he's gonna you know if they're picking Sam Raimi, you know he he's most well known for two things: Spider Man and the Evil Dead series. And I know he's done other stuff. He's done like Simple Plan and some other smaller movies that aren't that well known. But if they're really going to try and push this out to a mass audience, um, they're going to go there. I think they're going to ask him to play to his strengths. And so that's primarily going to be related to the Arthas story, which is a knight who falls from grace and becomes sort of a an evil undead leading Knight, you know, he leads an undead army. 
Army of Darkness. Yeah, so a lot of people are speculating that this is probably the direction it's going to go. Um, so will it be will it be CGI based or a lot of human actors? I, well, sure. they. they I, I was checking over on IMDb and they've just got two actors listed as rumors. Um, so he's really the only person outside of Blizzard that we know of that's been attached to the film. So nobody really knows how much CGI there's going to be. Um, you know who's going who the actors are going to be. We're just going to have to wait and see how this plays out. But um, for a lot of gamers out there, a lot of people play the World of Warcraft. I mean, myself included, I'm a fan. Um, um, this is sort of a little bit of a dream come true to see him associated with this project. I mean, there's a lot. Of, there's potential for a lot of good things to come of it. There's probably some potential for um, a lot of disappointment too. Um, because there are some people saying that, uh, you know, if he is not really true to the quote-unquote canon of uh, the World of Warcraft or the Warcraft universe, uh, then maybe it will be, you know, really terrible. Um, but, I mean, even that, you know, people said that about the Star Wars movies. I mean, and they, you know, Lucas was guiding the whole thing. And, you know, they said, oh, Lucas messed everything up. And he's sort of the founding father of that whole series. So... Um, I guess it's yes, going to be a case of you can't please all of the people all of the time. Well, what do you think about Raimi's work on the Spider-Man series? Well, I, I mean, it's kind of mixed. I did not like Spider-Man 3. I think that's sort of the general consensus. I liked Spider-Man 2 as sort of the best of the series. Um, but my own reasons for that is simply because I don't like origin stories. I always like to see stuff that goes on after the origin stories. So, you know, it's like the... Batman Begins, I liked it, but, you know, I liked um, The Dark Knight a whole lot better. I liked Spider-Man 2 a whole lot better. I'm probably going to like Iron Man 2 a whole lot better. All right, the last movie we want to talk about is uh, The Hangover. And I heard a little bit about this when I was stateside. Um, heard some pretty good reviews coming out of it, um, but I haven't seen it. But, Kevin, you've seen it. You want to tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, um, The Hangover is this breakout hit summer um it was made for 35 million dollars um and because i guess warner brothers did a really good job promoting it um before the release and now it's blown up to a box office course about 232 million dollars in the united states and i guess it's easy to see why because it very much plays to the sort of fraternity culture the men's culture because director previously did a movie called old school i don't know if you've seen it paul no i don't i haven't seen that one yet it's about a bunch of um middle, not middle-aged, but guys in their 30s who essentially goes back to college and starts their own fraternities. Mm. So you can see, you know, feel that kind of spirit in The Hangover, which is about these four guys who go to Las Vegas um, for a bachelor party for one of, the, one of the four guys. And next morning they wake up and they realize the groom has gone missing and one is missing a tooth and there's a tiger in the bathroom and they also have a baby. So they, they spend the whole day trying to track what happened. And also to find their friend, you know, and, and the, 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 it has a lot of potential for really clever stuff, mm -hmm. you know, because the whole thing trying to piece back the night. But the way it plays out, it's really straight up like a comedy. It's not really as clever as one would like to think. You know, there's it's really funny. Mike Tyson has a really funny cameo. Um, and, and, you know, Heather Graham shows a little bit of nudity. That's always welcome. Yeah. It's, it's a very raunchy kind of R-rated comedy that guys would really like, and you could really see why people would like it. Yeah. But it just didn't. I just didn't think it had to. It really used up the potential it had. Mm -hmm. 
script. But um, other than that, really funny movie. I say watch it. It's it's really worth the, the word of mouth. It's just quite good. All right. So good. So if you guys, uh, or if it's showing in your city, get out there and uh, watch The Hangover. Well, let's move on uh, to our last segment, what we call the Flying Buddha Pick of the Week. Um, <clears throat> so I'll start off first. Uh, I want to talk about a film that was actually made in Hong Kong last year in 2008, uh, released recently, uh, I think two months ago, called Push. Um, and this is an interesting little film um, for a couple reasons. The first being that it didn't get shown um, in Hong Kong. Uh, it was made here. Um, and actually one of, one of our friends uh, actually stumbled onto the set when he said when they were shooting and he was telling, uh, telling us a little bit about that, um, last time we met up, but this film got, for whatever reason, didn't get any screen time. I'm not sure if it even got screen time, uh, in the States. I, I came across it on DVD when I was back visiting relatives. Um, yeah. Well, the film is called Push and it's a little bit of a interesting mix of science fiction and old-school sort of Hong Kong movie. Um, and it's uh, it stars the Hannah Montana girl. Uh, no, not really. Um, uh, Dakota Fanning is, is the star, uh, along with uh, Chris Evans, who had... The only thing I've really seen him in was he had a smaller... one of the smaller parts in Sunshine. So basically, the story is a little bit of a pseudo-science fiction about people with... Uh, special abilities, telekinetic abilities, telepathy. Um, it's a little bit like, uh, kind of like scanners mixed in with a, a little bit of jumper, um, that, that kind of feel. Um, I know a lot of people didn't like jumper. I, I had fun at jumper and I just remember going to see jumper and then going back home and reading some, you know, on some websites, people just really hammering the science, you know, that's impossible, and for all these scientific reasons, I'm like, it's just a movie, it's science fiction, it was supposed to be fun. Yeah, um, a guy jumping from space, yeah. what's the point of looking at the logic of that? Yeah, um, but this is, this is kind of got a similar little bit of a feel with the people, people have these special powers, and there's an organization that tries, it's trying to control them for their own purposes, and the guy's on the run, so it's, it's a very similar plot. Um, to that of Jumper, um, but set entirely in Hong Kong. So you can get this. It's it's available for rent. Um, if you're over there and you, you have access to a Blockbuster, you should be able to find it there. But you can also get it through iTunes. Um, it's there for rent. I think it was $2.99 uh, on iTunes when I looked for it. So if you've got some time and you're looking for a little bit of sci-fi and a little bit of Hong Kong background, uh, you can give it a try. Kevin, what are you going to talk about for this week? Uh, this week, I'm going to talk about the Maya remaster of uh, Chongqing Express, a film that I'm sure a lot of Hong Kong film fans already know and love. Um, the I know a lot of people haven't really paid attention to this release because Criterion did their own release um, a few months ago around the same time on Blu-ray, mm. too. So um, so a lot of people sort of overlooked this, but I picked this up because I never owned a DVD version of it. I used to have a Laserdisc. And I've seen the Quentin Tarantino Presents edition, the Miramax edition of this. 
So, you know, um, as soon as released, it was only for 65 Hong Kong dollars, which is about $8 American. Uh, so I picked it up and I watched it to see how well the remaster did. I think the first thing I noted was that it was the, they really redid the opening logo. So I think the BLK2 pictures, which is now the opening logo you see on all the new Wong Kar iPhones. So I think what happened was that Jet Tone remastered the film on their own mm-hmm. and put it on this DVD. And I was stunned. I, I thought the remaster looks really great. The sound's great. Um, it definitely doesn't, if you, have you seen the, the current Quentin Tarantino edition DVD, Paul? Uh, I don't think so. I, the only edition I've seen, um, is a very, very old, I think it's the unremastered Maya version, if, if there is such a thing. I have a very old version that I've seen and the quality of the, of the version that I had, um, was not that good and... I, I may have passed out when I was watching it from all the swirling <laughs> because, yeah. colors and, and things at the, such terrible resolution, but I, I don't know. I, One uh, of the things that I, I remembered uh, audio-wise uh, is that there was very heavy treble mm. in the dialogue. Like, it always cracked. But on this DVD, the audio sounds perfect. Like, it just seems, it looks like a movie that was made two, three years ago. Mm. I was really surprised for its price, and the more and so if you if you can't afford the Criterion edition, which is I think about twenty thirty dollars in America, and much more for Blu-ray, I'm sure. You know, I say try and pick up this version, which is now for sale in Hong Kong for about thirty five dollars America, uh, thirty five dollars Hong Kong, which is what four dollars. Yeah, something like that. Around that. Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't really care for extras or anything like that, and uh, which you know. I don't really want Quentin Tarantino introducing one of my favorite Hong Kong films uh, because he's already stolen plenty. <laughs> so I say, I say, pick up this version. Yeah. It's stunning. It's great. It's right. really the best way you can watch Chungking Express. And so that's the remastered version of uh, the Maya Chungking yes. Express. All right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That sounds good. Well, um, I think we're gonna have to close off there. We're a little bit over time, and um, we'll be hopefully coming back uh, in about a week. And next time we're gonna wanna talk a little bit about uh, the G.I. Joe movie, uh, which is now open in Hong Kong and uh, talk a little bit about some of the fanfare that's gone along with that. I know I was I was gonna try and see it over the weekend and I, it was like a full house and I, I, there were no seats available. So uh, I guess it's doing fairly well in its first weekend here in Hong Kong. Uh, we'll also be able to talk a little bit about the McDull movie and possibly um, Turning Point a film based from a local TV drama. Uh, So if you've got questions or you'd like to contact the show after hearing this, um, you can post off an email to the show at uh, Kongcast, that's K-O-N-G-C-A-S-T, at hotmail.com. Kevin, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about how they can get in touch with you or where they can follow your work? Okay, a little bit of um, self-promotion here. You can uh, read my blog, The Golden Rock, at lovehkfilm.com. You can go in there for the homepage or the um, URL is lovehkfilm.com slash blog slash the golden rock. That's in one word. Or you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, I'm also under the golden rock there. And or you can email me at the golden rock, one word, at gmail.com. All right. Well, that sounds good. We hope that uh, if you're listening out there that you've enjoyed this episode and we will try to Again, come back in about a week's time. 
uh, with some more information on updated movies and recommendations for you. And we'll talk a little bit more about the state of the industry and hopefully have some guest speakers to come on to join us at that time. Until then, we wish you all good viewing, and we'll see you next time. See you next time.